The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Guys don't have any probable cause. It's fucking A right. No PC. No goddamn right. You do sometime, never let Ah, Napoleon. Drinking in the culture of 1995, I see. Shut up! Scratch! Keep your voice down. Jeez. You, you can't just poof into a movie theater like that. I believe I just proved to you that I most certainly can. In fact, I can find you no matter where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all of that. I mean, it's illegal. You have to pay for a ticket to be here. Whatever. I hear he's tapping Edie Finneran. Who is that? Six dollars for a movie. That's remarkably cheap. I know, right? So what are we watching? The usual suspects. Don't tell me you've never seen it before. Oh, no, I, I have. Just never in the theater. It's a sensational movie. I just love that part where he looks at the bulletin board. Shh, don't. And suddenly, the realization hits him. Shut up, Scratch. That all this time. Seriously, knock it off. Despite everything he's been told. Scratch, get out of here before you... Spoil it for everyone! Kaiser Sose was really... Oh my. However did we get back here? You poofed us, didn't you? No. That wasn't my poof. Then how? You don't mean that I poofed us, do you, sir? Indeed. I knew that if I pushed you hard enough, I could unlock your hidden potential. I just had to find the right motivation. Motivation, sir? Yes. I've tried intimidating you. Threatening you with incineration. Oh, you did more than threaten a couple of times. Please. It was an annoyance to you at most. That's true. One of the perks of immortality, I guess. Unfortunately, my coercions were all for naught. It would seem that in your long and blundering life, You've become far too accustomed to being subjugated and humiliated. <laughs> Pathetic but true, sir. Then I realized your love for music, movies, and pop culture could be used against you. I knew you'd use everything within your power to prevent me from committing the most cardinal of geek sins, deploying a spoiler. So you're saying I can poof now? When properly motivated? It'll take some practice to fine-tune the craft and your other dormant abilities, which will be invaluable in our search for... The second cylinder of Dominion? Right. I haven't forgotten. Perhaps tonight's guest might offer you some motivation. And who is that, sir? Dave the Clone of Hollow Nine. He runs an empire podcast and audio dramas about movies television, and all the pop culture delicacies your little amaranthian heart desires. And he knows where the cylinders are? No. No mention of that. Or immortality or any other magical type fair. As far as he's concerned, you're just a normal weirdo. If there is such a thing. Got it. Though I do find myself wondering, you being an immortal amaranthian and all. Right. Is there any risk of your 1995 self showing up and throwing a wrench into the works? Your bumbling is already a force to be reckoned with. And I'm not sure I could survive a double dose. Oh, 
No, uh, no need to worry about that, sir. Uh, my first 95, I was working up in Quebec as, as a... In what? Oh, you know, this and that. <laughs> Woodworking, mostly. Woodworking? How interesting. Oh, not really. In fact, we should probably change the subject altogether. Indeed. Well, see that you don't blow our cover, hmm? You can count on me, sir. Um, do not blow the cover, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for Red Hot Truth Injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media, one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, Colin, and we're gonna tear you a new one. You mind? Okay, so hey everybody, we are here with Dave the Clone, and uh, Dave, you're actually the second clone that we've had on the show, uh, the first being Jack Thomas. I would say it wasn't uh, one of my other clones, though, right? Because you're getting 1.0 right here. This is he, Dave, the original clone. He looks <laughs> different than you, so, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and so he, he was, he's also one of the clones that we've interviewed, so it's it's always nice to have uh, an altered person on the show. <laughs> and uh, so, basically, Dave runs kind of a podcasting empire called Hollow Nine, and uh, they really talk about comics and pop culture horror really tv shows anything that might really just fall into your purview of interests uh they have got a show about it and uh yeah so how did that all get started uh, how did you decide that you wanted to uh dominate the airwaves <laughs> well first i gotta i gotta officially i guess start filling out jack thomas as like my my agent or my press agent <laughs> maybe because he, he he'll guest on a show and the next thing i know that show is contacting me saying yeah jack said we need to talk to you so uh he's yeah. a really good guy and I, I always appreciate all the awesome things he has to say about us he and i collaborate a lot i i kind of hang out over by his shop every once in a while and we just unload our brains for a couple hours so we're always trying to develop a show together he and i to uh to have something going on over at the hollow nine but um i guess you know it's funny there's some I, I was talking to some friends about it because i've tried to explain this and it's funny every time i explain not only how hollow nine started but what podcasting is uh, especially there it's it's hard to believe that there are sometimes some audiences that still don't really get what podcasts are uh i wind up starting out with uh the movie uhf weird al yankovic's yeah. movie uhf okay <laughs> whose dream would not be totally cool and fulfilled if they just inherited a tv station and then they could just start producing their own content um little did we know and they don't really discuss in that movie budget for the stuff to get started i guess he inherited some money some startup capital with the station 
Um, but for the rest of us, like uh, me, when I first got my my first G5 iMac somewhere back in 2005, 2006, and it came with GarageBand, and GarageBand had all of these built-in stingers and sound effects, and it was clearly, you know, even organized for you so that if your mind thought in this way at all, you could start your own radio station from the comfort of your home desk, your home office. And so... Uh, having always had UHF as this kind of thing that that would be pretty awesome if that happened. I felt like when I discovered GarageBand, that was my UHF moment. And um, I was I've, I've been a musician since I was I don't know in kindergarten. Wow. So um, I at that time was sort of between projects, but I had a couple guys I was jamming with. And as I was discovering podcasting, I was thinking, oh, this could be a cool thing that we could use to promote our band, promote our music. And the band was called Hollow Nine, um, which kind of was just something that sounded really cool and um like sleepy hollow we're hollow number nine we're a different hollow we're not the same one that could be that's hollow three is sleepy hollow we're hollow nine we're in a totally different zone and then slowly the band stuff started to fall away but the podcasting stayed you know and the friends that would come over when we were supposed to work on songs or we were supposed to come up with concepts we'd wind up sitting around and talking about movies but we would also do these little dramatic moments, kind of like what you used to do uh, around the, the table in the cafeteria at high school when you'd be doing movie dialogue. Sometimes little original parts would kind of come out of that little tangents that we would go on. That's what we were doing on the podcast. So um, always experimental, I guess, from the very beginning, but kind of always a little bit with that variety show idea in mind of whatever TV fans, crazy things could come out of our imagination at any time become a lot more focused and organized as the years have gone on though very cool so that's very exciting um i so, give long-winded answers be ready for that no that's <laughs> <laughs> I, I i always say people always apologize for rambling and i'm like that is the nature of podcasts the worst thing the biggest nightmare is when you have someone on and you're like wow so you're a musician yeah, and yeah i just wrote like the new album yeah, and that's you're just good. like, okay, cool. <laughs> Got some songs I really like on it. Yeah, Maybe. and that's, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> I used to do college radio, and um, nice. I was working with uh, a, a director, like a very, a uh, very amateur level director. Uh, but I was working on kind of this student film with them, and I had them interview. I was interviewing them on the show, and I was just like, wow. So that was a really interesting song. So. Tell us a little bit about what went into that. And it was just like, oh, my girlfriend's a bitch. I'm like, rad. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but everything. And then he finally just like pulls the mic away and says, like, don't ask me that anymore. Because like every answer is the same. And I was just like, yeah. It's a great life story. You're <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Your girlfriend's a bitch. But... A rough one. It happens, though, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best albums Taylor Swift right, yeah. has written has been all about that. So are we actually speaking from 1995 right now? I don't know. How does the, how does oh, okay. the other sort of portion of your show play into this portion? Should we be talking about all this in future <laughs> tense? Like oh, this hasn't right. happened yet, you know, or, or what's going on? Now, um, yes. So basically, I have a conduit that uh, allows me to access Skype and all the things like that that uh, happen in the present. Uh, but that that you know that that was set up by my boss, who insists that we run the podcast because he really just wants to get his little fingers into every nook and cranny of the public consciousness. Um, he's yeah. uh, old scratch. Gotcha. Yeah. The devil. 
Yeah. I, I can understand that uh, ambition for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, but uh, yeah, my, my other projects are taking place in 1995 temporarily, but Josta is back and that's great. I've been binging on that. I've been awake for a couple days now. And uh, so that's fun. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're doing so, that. And so uh, you listen, have you caught up on all the other shows that we talk about over on Hollow Nine? Like any of the, any like the Cobra Kai or any? Yeah, of yeah. Stuff the Cobra Kai has been the one that I've been listening to. Now, I, unfortunately, I'm still I'm not as far in Cobra Kai as I want to be. Right. Um, but I'm so excited about that show because I remember even being young, thinking like Daniel did an illegal move. <laughs> Daniel was moving in on this guy's girlfriend and like, sure, they're rowdy teenagers and they're, they're like bratty boys, but it's like, they're acting like 16 year olds. They're not like deviant menaces or vicious people. And the, the, the way that it was geared, I remember thinking like, that's maybe that's like kind of unfair. And so then this kind of vindicates Johnny and Chris and everybody. And, um, I just, and I'm really enjoying just like the attitude that Johnny has. Um, I was I was one of the kids that uh, was picked on all the time okay. when I was younger. And yeah. uh, so uh, like just the scene, and I think it's the last episode I saw where the kid with the, the split lip comes in and he has the mohawk and he's just oh, yeah. like, yep, I'm flipping the script. And I was just yeah. like, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they do amazing things with characters on mm -hmm. that show. Uh, and especially to, you know, the franchise we never knew we loved this much, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Karate Kid kind of had its moment back in the 80s. And, I mean, I was young enough when that came out that uh, I, also being an Italian person from New Jersey, definitely identified with LaRusso a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't identify with the moving to a new town so much until later in life. But um, definitely the idea of, like, how you fall back on some of your... I guess what the rest of the world would see is your stereotype characteristics mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. will happen when you're in a new place. Um, but that first movie, watching it then, it was so easy to be like, oh, yeah, clearly Johnny's the bad guy. I mean, listen to his music. Even when he's on screen, the music becomes like, dur, dur, dur. it's like menacing. It's like clear villain hero. Yeah. And then Mr. Miyagi being sort of like a real life Yoda that we all feel like we kind of know. I mean, uh one of the things we talk about on Dojo 9, which is our podcast about Cobra Kai, in inspired by Cobra Kai. Um, so it really doesn't have as much of a form as it seems like it does right now. Mm -hmm. uh, like once we're done talking about the first three seasons, it's kind of we've also spent time uh, talking about all the original films, too, from the, the franchise. Yeah. And it's going to be a springboard to talk about other martial arts movies from all the decades, really. But the, the real sort of love of it and the nostalgia of all of this is really because of remembering that franchise feeling like hey it went away for a long time and now it's really really back like mm -hmm. back in a big bad way you know what i mean like it it grabs you those first couple episodes even though you've only watched the first uh, few you kind of feel like i need to finish this interview to go watch the rest <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean so it's got that kind of hook ability and it's very progressive. It may not seem so much at the very beginning, but as you watch that show, they're dealing with a lot of the sort of crazy new things going on in the world in a way that I think is a very kind of open, honest, and healthy way to be talking about the, the, some of the issues. And uh, I don't like to get drawn into them, so I'm just trying to do that high level. Like, they talk about issues. I'm not going to tell you which one. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a bunch of them. There's issues. <laughs> tons and tons of issues. And they don't get heavy-handed about it. They're not like, this is how you should feel, and it's just... Yeah. 
yeah. like, uh, it's more like this is what's going on. Yeah. This is happening. Welcome to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it pulls at the heartstrings, especially I have to I could not talk about the show without talking about its um, co-creator, my co-host, Chris Stiles, who's a Hollow Nine podcaster. He also has a, a shop called Live Action Media. If you follow him on Facebook, you'll see all of these awesome movie mashup posters he makes all the time. Hilarious, constantly coming up with cool things. But Karate Kid is like. He has been waiting for this show before we even knew this show was coming out. You know, yeah. um, later season, season three deals a lot with like the sort of crease backstory and his, his time in the military. And Chris is the kind of guy that's had like fan fiction concepts for that, awesome. you know, ready to go for the last couple <laughs> decades. So plenty of us are talk, uh, to talk about on the podcast, which oh, yeah. you can find at hollow9.com. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a great show. I, I think you guys actually did talk about it on uh, the latest episode. That uh, when they got Ralph Macchio in the role, they actually changed Daniel's last name. So yeah. they Italianized him because the actor, they, they liked, you know, a Ralph Macchio so much in the role. And Hey, uh, you know, yeah. I dig it. I dig. I think that's cool. That. So. <laughs> I think like Lost was a really big one that did that for people. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when those characters, because those characters are so rich. Um, it's really what defined a show like that. And the same thing, you know, like with a Mulder and a Scully or anybody from any of the sort of iconic franchise shows. Um, when you find out, oh yeah, we totally had a different idea for this character, but then they came in and read for it and we said, you know what, forget it, make him Italian. And it, you know, for people, you know, for me, especially, you know, it it reached out to me. I was like, I got, I have something I can identify with Daniel on, um, a little bit of the heritage situation going on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'm sure there are a lot of people who came to the movie for lots of different reasons in the franchise. And I think though, when you're doing something like what Cobra Kai is doing, it's kind of imperative to get the original players back, you know, yeah. and that gives so much more credibility to the fact that this show is good. The fact that the original actors wanted to come back, that's often a herald of a bad sequel, right? When mm-hmm. you see the trailer for a movie and you're like, Oh, come on. The star didn't even want to come back. Right. or They'll only come back if they get killed off in the first scene because they're like, look, I'll take the money, but I don't want to do this. Right. <laughs> you know, this, this feels like there's something special about it to them too, you know, and I think that comes through. So, um, yeah, we just hope they keep, uh, we'll take four or five more seasons of this. If they'll, if they'll, if they'll give them to us, <laughs> you know, yeah. so please, Netflix, do not let this one go. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely like a really bright spot. Um, and so many of the other podcasts that you guys do and there, there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we used to have, uh, you know, each one of them used to have their own RSS feeds too. And that is mm-hmm. a model we're going to go back to, but I think there's something about, um, going back to the sort of UHF analogy, you know, mm-hmm. there's something to the vision of hollow nine. That's always been a little bit like we're treating it like it's an HBO. We're treating it like it's, it's a sort of multi-formatted rolling stone for a Zennial generation. So you've got audio stuff. We do have some video stuff, right? Most of it's promotional and a lot of it's, it's more advertising based, but we'd love to get into the filmmaking space, you know, and that is something uh, that is sort of on the business side of Hall and Nine is freelance video production. And we do everything from entertainment to corporate stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so production is definitely a part of our world music as well. Um, but, uh, the idea that you could have one station, like, you know, FX doesn't just do one show and maybe with streaming services, you know, newer audiences might start feeling like, oh, that's a Netflix thing. And Netflix does a whole bunch of things. But back in the day, Netflix would have been a station on cable and Mm -hmm. it would have had, okay, every Monday is Stranger Things. And every Tuesday is another episode of, you know, whatever, Sabrina just came back, right? You know, and so all these new shows would have like their day and their time. And 
I know it's an old model and there might not be so much uh, place for it with everybody working on their on-demand and do it all myself. Um, but every once in a while, I remember kind of the, the comfort of being able to come home and just turn on the TV and like letting it flow. And so uh, we're working always to make Hollow 9 have a little bit of that feel. Like you could just kind of pick up in any one of the streams. Right now we have our Podomatic one and our Anchor FM. But you could kind of feel like you're catching the middle of something and maybe it'll come back and you'll get the beginning. Or you just go and find it and watch it on your own time. But I want it to have a little bit of that old school cable TV feel. So having a bunch of different shows coming out on a mega feed is kind of what we were hoping to go for a little bit of that um, old school traditional. But with the upbeat, obviously downloading, you stream on Spotify, you listen how you want to listen. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's why a lot of our demographic, according to Anchor, is in sort of my my age range in the sort of late 30s, early 40s. You know, people who probably remember TV feeling the way I'm describing um, and that's cool, but we want to also show the kids that it's it wasn't so bad. <laughs> Just because it's not what you guys are growing up with doesn't mean it's as horrible as what you know I thought black and white stuff was when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's a little bit more bridgeability, I think. Yeah. No, I I, I think it's a great system. Um, my friend Joe made a post, and I have to kind of agree with it that '80s was kid heaven because mm. you were just starting to see that investment in uh, shows and networks that were playing like a variety of things. Um, and it really, what's so cool about it, because uh, me and my boss, we love the movie Scrooge, which is directed mm. by Richard Donner, who yeah. also did uh, Lethal Weapon. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason that Lethal Weapon takes place in Christmas is because he had directed Scrooge first, and he realized with HBO and Stars and Cinemax and everything being out there, you get so much more replay if your movie is set in Christmas because it's mm -hmm. guaranteed to come up yeah. during Christmas. It has a season, and, man. That's yeah, awesome. and so he was like, so Lethal Weapon is going to be a Christmas movie. And that's and Yeah. yeah. And I'm, we I'm watched seeing... Scrooge as part of our regular routine over here at oh, yeah. the holidays. So, uh, and, and once Donner's name comes across the screen, you talk about Superman and you talk about Lethal Weapon. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so it's sort of, all these movies that have become sort of the debate, right? Didn't even Bruce Willis, I think, uh, chimed in on Twitter and said, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And the rest of the internet said, yeah, it actually is. <laughs> sorry, yeah. dude. It's a Christmas movie. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's cool. That's, uh, it's, it, any, anything can be a Christmas movie so long as you make it your tradition. So yeah. uh, you also have a tradition of watching Robocop around Christmas, but that's not really mm. a, doesn't really lend itself to christmas it, except for maybe like robocop is reborn and he is the savior and so he is but uh, that that's really stretching the metaphor so. that's what they did back then and, and it worked <laughs> yeah. know, it worked enough that you know we could see who the bad guys were from a mile away mm -hmm. and we could see that even though the hero has all this awesome stuff they're given at the beginning of the movie, somewhere in the middle. It's going to be like you hit the middle level of the video game where you're like, oh, shit, this gun is not cutting it anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I got to get the next weapon and upgrade. You know, They were going to have to find the way to bridge the humanity in the machine. RoboCop is awesome. I don't know if you saw uh, we have a and actually a RoboCop versus Terminator yes. episode. of, uh, <laughs> And it was that was more of kind of like a bonus episode that we decided to release as an actual episode because – when we finished one recording, that conversation just kind of erupted out of nowhere. Just all of a sudden, it's like, hey, 
we're talking about RoboCop, we're talking about Terminator, we've been talking about the two things for like 25, 30 minutes now. Okay, we just have a new episode out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and that was what the <laughs> pandemic did for us, was all kinds of stuff like that. You know, when we would get together and record for one thing, we'd not wind up little tangents would give us content. And sort of Dojo 9, I mean, that I don't know if you've heard the promo, but there's sort of like a, a conversation where we're landing on what the name of the podcast should be. That really was, I kind of took that conversation and put it all out of order and it became a promo for the show. But that's how a lot of our shows really kind of originate was, you know, we're recording for one of them. And I used to have one show that was called The Lone Gunman. Unfortunately, most of The Lone Gunmen uh, who were part of that show are not part of the network anymore. So that's why the show's gone. But it was completely just compilations of all of our pre and post role, you know, anything that was funny that happened before we actually counted ourselves in or out of the show. Um, and it's that kind of stuff, you know, that I feel like networks would do, you know, when, you know, Fox is promoting the next season of uh, X-Files, sometimes you've seen scenes that are deleted, you know, mm -hmm. and things that were strictly made just for promotional purposes. So a lot of the time, everyone kind of knows I'm, I'm sort of the Richard Nixon of podcasting. Once the call starts, you got to assume I'm recording it. <laughs> and if yeah. anything's funny and they were probably going to find a way to use it at some point. Nice. That's the way that's, I, I think that's what's so fun about like these podcasting networks that are coming around is it reminds me a lot of the feeling that I think a lot of people are aching for right now of like conventions mm. where, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a safe space where you can go there and you can geek out and you can just be like, I love Robocop. And everybody's like, yeah. Also, <laughs> Robocop stands up out of nowhere. Right. Also, it's, like, it's a horror convention, but Robocop is here because every, the, I found the horror community is very uh, welcoming to people of all walks mm -hmm. uh, and New Jersey horror con, which was the first horror convention I ever really attended um, is an event that we actually have become a lifetime sponsor at. We will now have a table there forever. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, that's where we get a lot of our interviews every year. Cause if they do the show twice a year, if we come out of that weekend with like 12 interviews in the can twice a year, I'm feeling pretty good about. Um, and it's usually everywhere from, up-and-coming filmmakers to like Leslie Easterbrook from Police Academy and wow, uh, and, yeah. and uh, the Rob Zombie films, of course, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, and uh, I actually prefer Devil's Rejects. Um, and you know, to be able to kind of sit there and talk to her and think back to the fact that I was like, I don't know, ten. Eight watching Police Academy, thinking I'll never meet any of these people. And then in the room next to us, when I walked her back to her table, there's Marion Ramsey. May she rest in peace. She actually just passed away yeah. earlier yeah. this week or last week. And uh, Steve Gutenberg, and it was just like Michael Winslow. And you're like, holy crap! And that's the, <laughs> the really awesome part of conventions was the the meeting the people behind mm -hmm. the magic, you know, and that we are all people. And as long as we're all cool like that, and we don't super fanboy too much you're probably going to be okay and get to hang out with uh, someone that you consider a legend for however long. Um, it's so, and yeah, definitely sorely missed in all this. It's yeah. uh, gatherings in general, but that in particular virtual doesn't quite cover that. You can't recapture that kind of thing with the virtual side. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, just like uh, just the meeting of the minds and where it's, it's that open exchange and just getting to meet other people who are as passionate about, and it's less this way now, but when I was younger, like you would introduce something like, Hey, I really love this movie forbidden zone. And people would be like, what? <laughs> Ew. And you're just like, and now I, you have uh, a crew of people dressed like every single character. Right. And they know, 
it through the entire movie oh, from yes. beginning to end. Yes. You know, uh, I was at Dragon Con a couple of years ago, and somebody staged an alien attack, like an aliens versus marines, oh. like the the firefight, and they even had strobe, like they kind of like took over a hallway, put up strobe lights everywhere, and kind of just like started doing stuff, and everybody backed away and just watched, and you're like. I, all right, how do I describe this? You know, if you were there, it was pretty amazing. You know, I snapped as many photos as I could. But, you know, how did they even come up with the idea to do that? Mm -hmm. It's that's you're only going to be able to find that with other people who are going to conventions. You know, the people mm -hmm. who spend hours and weeks building costumes and fully functional versions of things that they only needed to work once for the one shot in the movie that they got. And yes. after that, it broke and they never used that thing again. You have one that works every day for a five day convention. Um, that's, there's something about fandom that, uh, I don't know. I think the world has kind of woken up to in the last t you know decade or so, you know, the, the sort of rise of even comic cons being household names, whereas mm -hmm. it was just something that was sort of specific to one community, the sort of the nerd community before nerds were okay to be called nerds. Right. Right. So, right. so yeah. yeah. So we try to bring some of that, you know, culture to the podcast network as well. Um, I don't think you could really do something like this unless you have like this huge kind of uh, collection of nerd knowledge and, yeah. and, and think into to the level to be able to kind of just geek out about them for hours at a time. So, you know, it's OK out there. <laughs> Anyone listening who thinks you might be one of these people, it's OK. <laughs> you, you found others like you. You're listening yeah. to them, right? I think that that Internet opens that up a lot is uh, that uh, when I was growing up, it was like uh, I, I was the only person who was interested in the things that I was interested in or the kind of music, the kind of movies, the kind of books. Um, I, like, I don't know. I remember having a teacher saying to me, um, well, why don't you write a little more like Hemingway? And I was like, if I have to write like a dead white guy, can I write like William Burroughs? Yeah. And she was just like, wait. <laughs> and it's Instead just like myself, I guess, is where we're going with this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. it's interesting, though, because I feel like because we have it, there's also this feeling like if you don't have any skin in this game these days, yeah. whether you're trying to be a podcaster or not, but if you're not doing something like with your Instagram account, you know, it's almost like it's 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 the closest thing to being off the grid right to, sure. the, to actually being off the grid is like not having certain social media accounts um so it's kind of been a double-edged sword in a lot of ways too but i think for people like us mm -hmm. uh you need you know to be able to have your own network your own channel just from signing up on a few websites spending a few dollars here a few dollars there and not that much if you don't want to yeah um it's pretty epic to be able to have a place for your voice to at least have a home. Oh, and yeah. And if other people find it and like it, it's like now you have an audience. You're like, yeah. how the hell did that happen? This was just supposed to be for those people on the other side of the magical glass that I'm mm -hmm. never going to get to meet. And then I run into them at HorrorCon. <laughs> so yeah. it's been – it's an interesting time where all these worlds are colliding, right? Oh, yeah. And then uh, just the, the range of – films you can find now and books you can find now that it's it's just right there in front of you um like you're talking about horrorcon i saw a horror movie uh the other night that i i probably it's probably not going to come on television in my area or anything uh have you heard of the movie swallow uh the, the name is familiar yeah. but i don't i've not seen it i think i've seen like a poster <laughs> yeah <laughs> or something like that it's it's an interesting movie uh, because uh, it's 
kind of talking about like the the ennui of uh just suburban life uh this this woman who's kind of uh left her own devices she's a failed artist and she marries wealthy and she has this whole life set out in front of her but she's slowly losing control of her anonymity and her personhood uh and so everything she does is kind of under the orchestration of somebody else and at first she's like well okay i mean this is in exchange for this living situation that's not so bad but then she becomes pregnant and she slowly kind of realizes like this is all that i am i was the incubator for these people to have their next ceo for their business and that kind of thing and so she starts to reclaim her body subconsciously starts swallowing inanimate uh, like uh inedible objects to okay. try and damage her body because it's huh. if she externally hurts herself then they're going to know but if she internally damages her body but then it's also i was looking at it it's like but maybe it's the fetus is controlling her and the fetus just has this hunger for like marbles uh, and pins <laughs> knickknacks and actually so. like she's going to be hurting the fetus first right is right. that usually how a lot of that works with uh yeah i mean mm -hmm. that's one of body horror is one of the craziest yeah. sort of areas I, I was talking to uh keith coogan one year at HorrorCon, and that was the first he's i was like if you had a horror project you were gonna do and he's like oh body horror man everybody mm -hmm. freaks out about body. and i mean like just listening to this i'm like oh man i'm getting all cringy like yeah swallowing inedible there's uh, i mean there's people who actually do that right mm -hmm. so yeah. anything that plays with these sort of real things Oh man, it, it's and that's the other thing too. You know, probably did you find this on like an Amazon Prime or or uh, Tubi or one of these other wow. sort of? There's like so many platforms yeah. now that if even if you don't get in one of the like the big three, you could get into one that still comes up when you turn on the Fire Stick or when you mm -hmm. turn on your PlayStation and go to the video apps area. So it's just that idea that you could wind up in so many different, um, you know, living rooms, um, if not just through iTunes, you know, uh, through sort of these like mainstream, you know, a good buddy of mine has a documentary that you can find on Amazon Prime called uh, Mind Garden for anybody dealing with mental illness out there. Uh, my buddy Drew Carson, who runs the Terror Firmer Artist Union, good podcasting mentor type friend um, and uh, screenwriters and stuff that you've actually seen. Um, I bounce ideas off of him all the time and we we're constantly amazed at how this is the time you know for anyone who's got even a little bit of ambition to do stuff like this this is the time where you could get your stuff on an app that will get it just being watched even if after you've forgotten you did it you know you've mm -hmm. moved on to two projects from now and suddenly people are finding you and reaching out to you about the first thing you did um, it's kind of one of those things where I have friends that were a little bit older than me uh, when I was working in my last job, which was in corporate video. And I could tell that if they had had this kind of technology available to them when they were a little bit younger and had more energy, a lot of things would be a lot different. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's definitely, if you've got the even the drive at all, take advantage and just try it. Do oh, something. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like I wish that when I had been younger, there had been those kind of outlets uh, because I've, I've interviewed people on the show who are like 14 and they're creating mm. their own animated series and that oh kind God. of thing. And you're just like, you can do that now. You can do yeah. it and you can put it out there and people will watch it and interact with it. And just that's so crazy. And there's a give and a take. I mean, it's much more free to put something mm. out there, but you don't get the kind of prestige 
that used to come with creating a film or creating a series or stuff like that. So yeah, or you know, designing a web page isn't as I guess impressive when everybody can do it now. Whereas mm -hmm. when there were like ten people who could do it. If you had a web page, it meant you went to one of those ten people, right. and it was like, okay, you're not you're not fucking around. You seriously believe in what you're doing because you put you're investing the time, the money, the effort, and willing to put it out there. And maybe people won't come to it. Maybe people will. Um, now it's sort of like there's with likes and stuff. It's like there's this weird. You can see the generational differences between the people who are expecting X number of likes and the people who are putting out there to find out how many likes they're going to get. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in that finding out phase, I guess, for somebody who's been doing this since like 2006, 2007. Right. Um, but, you know, that's part of the fun, too, is the adventure of it all. And I feel like it's all about once that lightning strike happens, you know, serial who thought that was going to be what yeah. it became, you know? And uh, so if it's not going to be Dojo 9 for us, which I still hope it will be, <laughs> maybe it'll be one of our audio dramas or maybe it'll be something else that we haven't even started yet. Um, yeah. But there's always a lot of ideas percolating, so I hope it's one somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. Now, the audio dramas I'm really interested in, how you kind of uh, cultivate and you find the ones that you like because uh, we, we were we've been working on an audio drama ourselves and uh, I I just feel like it's it started for me uh, that I had written kind of a novel series that wasn't getting a lot of attention and the uh, editor that I was working with said oh you know go get yourself out there uh, talk to a lot of uh, the new age communities and she probably should have said sci-fi but yeah. so I pitched to uh, kind of this website that did this new age, like a lot of conspiracy theory kind of stuff. And I wound up writing a web comic for them and it kind of turned into a comic. And then I felt like I really want to be able to have the sound effects and like the voices that go with this. And so I was like, ah, I'm going to turn it into an audio drama. And it, it kind of has been ever evolving. Um, now, when you find your audio dramas that you bring in or you create your audio dramas, um, is there like, is there an idea? Is there some kind of like a genre that you're trying to fill or uh, how, how do you go about doing that? Um, well, at first, uh, it's, it was actually, we were creating our own mm -hmm. and, um, and the only other ones I was participating in were really kind of from a sort of inner circle of podcasting friends that I'd made through joining that, that artist union I'd mentioned, the Terraform artist union. Right. Um, but you know, hollow nine always had like these sort of little dramatic elements going on, even if they were less organized, they were just kind of always present. And, um, we decided to really focus that and tell, I mean, it was one story, but it was a huge story. It was, I, I pitched it like it was sort of like a Game of Thrones meets Black Mirror with a little bit of like Muppet show levity thrown in there. So there's a little bit of variety, but you have a like massive scope and scale of characters, lots of intertwining storylines, you know, very Tarantino told out of, you know, out of sync. Mm -hmm. Um, but very Black Mirror-ish, you know, and very kind of Twilight zone -y. And I wanted just, I just knew I couldn't do all the voices myself. So what I first was starting to reach out to people for was just to have other voices. But it was, 
it was the idea that I was just writing these scenes. I didn't even know if they were going to need to connect. I wanted to just try this very experimental approach. So I called the thing Tangent City so that it could be, you know, maybe every episode is just a slice of life. You know, we, we travel through the city. Maybe we start out, we're in the passenger seat of a car driving into the city. And the first story we hear is the first thing we overheard driving by. And then we'll bounce from story to story. And slowly those scenes began to connect to each other. And more and more characters are appearing. So now I'm having people doing multiple parts. And, and at one point we had 30 people involved. And there was like no money for this thing. This was a full-on mm -hmm. passion project. Uh, but by reaching out to people and, and joining all these different Facebook groups where there's audio drama, like voice talent uh, groups and pages. You can just find them just, you know, search audio drama on Facebook. You'll find tons of different groups. And some people are actually trying to recreate that old twenties radio show yep. sort of environment. Uh, so just by reaching out to them and having them participate in ours, we were starting to get people inviting me and other folks from the Holland Nine to participate in their shows. So it kind of became this thing where we were sort of closed off. Like I kind of thought we we're like an Apatow crowd almost, you know, we're just, we're working with the same 10 people, but every once in a while, someone else's project will pull me in. And so um, there's a studio called Severn uh, Studio Productions out of Cyprus. I've done a few voices for them. Um, they're very into reviving old sci-fi radio shows. So that's Gareth Severn. Um, really cool guy uh and definitely has been creating a lot of content during the pandemic so everyone wants to check out the morpheus one that was a big one for us uh over the summer um and so tangent city was like our sort of going to be our flagship we, it was a designed to be a nine hour uh one nine episode one hour per episode so a nine hour season because we're hollow nine mm -hmm. and uh, we produced five out of those nine hours before we had a little bit of a, there was an in internal shakeup at one point in hollow nine that sort of took us offline for a very brief period of time. And the crew that's with us now is obviously a little bit of a different crew. Uh, I'm the sort of the through line here for the, for the entirety of hollow nine. Um, so I guess if there was a Trent Reznor of this nine inch nails crowd, it would be me, but, um, you know, uh, not, not with the same level of ego that he and Bono bring to the stage, you know? Um, and so we are always looking for other dramas to take place, uh, take part in too. You know, my buddy drew who I mentioned before has a series of, um, shows for, called orchid grove we did one season i believe it was five episodes or six episodes he just uh he's just now producing the second season which i think is going to be like a two-hour feature sort of almost like a movie an audio movie and uh, i know he's got plans for at least one more so you know it's kind of like we have all these like little intertwined franchises that this kind of tight-knit group of podcasting friends is all a part of jack actually has a spot slated for him in the revised relaunched tangent city uh which is kind of like right now i decided to take a step back and write the whole show bible because um i've had some people say that we should probably try and pitch it to like netflix or somebody cool. and and maybe get it done as an animated series like after they did that love sex and robots thing i was like yes that is a cool animated series of course, produced by David Fincher. How's it going to not be cool? You know, Mindhunter guy. Yeah. So, um, so there is, uh, the project has that kind of, uh, what we, you know, that kind of passion and hope and ambition behind it, but we do want it to come back in its like original form as an audio drama. And, uh, so yeah, it's all about the crazy things that happen in Tangent City, very inspired by, uh, Neil Gaiman's American Gun. Hello? Are you still there? Connection's lost.
still there? I'm still here. I don't <laughs> I, know if you can hear me or not. I had you. Uh, the connection was dropped for a second. <laughs> well, I've been I've been rolling the whole time on my side. So, I figured you I were. Never, <laughs> I, I never I never lost you, so I definitely have mine as a backup here to send you when we're done. So, perfect. Uh, perfect. No worries. Sorry about that. No worries. Yeah. Everything's uh, we, good now. Yeah. Um, we've had funniness with the connection here because, uh, of course we're in the underworld. And so all the demonic entities around want to get online and watch Netflix yeah. at the same time. And so then you get booted and, uh, that's always frustrating. Yeah. All the, uh, <laughs> internet service providers have been probably really prospering from the upsell on the, mm -hmm. uh, Hey, now you need the gigabyte service, right? You know, like the, or whatever they have now. I remember one gig used to be a lot on bandwidth. And oh it's yeah. Probably not anywhere near enough these days, but, uh, yeah, the interesting times we live in, but, um, you know, we, we, uh, keep calm and carry on as they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, but yes, um, very, very interesting about uh, the audio drama and Tangent City. And uh, I, and I like that where it's it's just kind of this like random snippet that you, you just uh, peer into this world for a second. And then you're like, well, that was cool. And then on to the next. Um, yeah. and, and you could like wind up, you might see something that you never come back to, but then you start to see the same person. All right. I ran past that guy five blocks ago and he was beating the shit out of somebody over there. And now he's, he's paying a bunch of money to these guys and they're giving him briefcases. I wonder what, what's going to happen next time we run into him, you know? Yeah. I mean? And it's that, that kind of thing, but it definitely has a much more outlined uh, and structured thing going on as well, which when we were first producing, it was kind of one of those, we're flying by the seat of our pants and we're, you know, producing an episode and then, you know, recording and editing the week between that one and the next one. And I was like not sleeping and it was, it was a crazy couple months, but we, it was, it felt like the way, uh, I think Matt and Trey described working on, um, on, uh, South Park where like they have six days between episodes to get a whole new episode started, finished and edited, which sounded crazy, but then you go and do it yourself and you're like, well, it's doable. It's probably not advisable. <laughs> you yeah. Really like hurt yourself um but it is possible and and all these things can be very scary right so don't let the fear stop you from starting or training mm -hmm. is the best is the best first advice i guess <laughs> no i think i think that's actually amazing advice um like i i have a person that i used to work with uh who they kept saying like oh i'm a writer i'm a writer and that kind of thing and i'm like well what have you written? Because yeah. most writers can't wait to get their stuff out. It, like, even if it's just a Tumblr post or just like a long paragraph they wrote under an Instagram picture or stuff like that. It's, yeah. what have you written? And, uh, well, just because pe people think just because you're not published by the age of 40 and I'm just like, mm. no, it, it's not even about that. It's about <laughs> like getting your stuff out there. It's I think you like the idea of being a writer. I don't think you want to be a writer because that's that's what it is it's like you're uh i mean we've had episodes that we've had to do major rewrites in the middle mm -hmm. of a season where we had somebody drop out for for their own personal reasons it's yeah, yeah and we're just like oh my gosh we have to go through this entire season and we have to rewrite this to explain why this character's not here yeah uh, and, and yeah. that's just how it kind of goes and it's it's uh aggravating but at the same time it's kind of invigorating 
when you yeah. just you have those six day slots and you're like yes oh my god we found it we found it we found the puzzle piece we did it and we, and it's it's fun <laughs> yeah it's necessity is the father of invention yes. right often so it's like anything that's an unforeseen you're like wow i i pretty much have all these other plan b's lying around here none of them work for this mm -hmm. <laughs> and so now what do we do um and you never know you know it's like it could lead to they could lead to creating like what uh, to bring lost back again right michael emerson's character that mm -hmm. that epically they brought him in for like a two or three episode arc and he wound up staying on for another three or four seasons it's like <laughs> sometimes it happens that way um they're not always going to be happy accidents sometimes you really are like yeah we kind of don't like that episode we just you know we we, we did work. it yeah. we put the band-aids on where it needed to be and uh and uh, we just we we know it's out there. We just we say you know as a completionist, listen to it. But you know, just know we don't love it as much. Mm. <laughs> and we'll move on and get the next one right. You know, there has to be a certain element of that is part of what podcasting is about too. You know, and it's sort of I feel like that was part of the cable TV thing again too. It was like mm -hmm. sometimes they would put out a crappy episode of a show and be like, all right, whatever. You know, there's week one every season. We're sorry, yeah. <laughs> and we're moving on, and the finale will 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 take care of it. Will redeem us. You know, mm -hmm. so it's fun little game to play with all this <laughs> mm -hmm. treatment like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what trends do you foresee coming into uh, the the podcast audio drama kind of realm? Uh, what what are things that you're starting to see sort of awaken in that community? Well, like everything with podcasting, the actual establishment has taken note and has started to flood the space. Yeah. Um, you know, Audible and Amazon and everybody now, like you know stuff that we were all trying to do and then when we were trying to do it no one else was doing it you know and i kind of there's a certain uh poetic uh kind of justification and feeling like well at least i knew the idea was good because these guys are doing it but it's it's that's always going to be an uphill battle with this you know podcasting itself used to be like hey there are people who aren't famous, but they're pretty good at doing this talk show kind of thing. And, you know, you can hear the stuff they want to talk about. But now all the celebrities have their own podcast. You know what I mean? And some of the ones I love listening, you know, like how did this get made with um, Jason Manzoukis mm -hmm. and uh, Paul Shear and June Diane Raphael. Um, one of the first podcasts I used to really listen to religiously uh, at work when I was uh, had nothing going on. But I used to kind of sit there and it was bittersweet because I'm like, you know, you guys are all famous. You guys are all on TV. You're all connected. You can get Nick Kroll and all these other people to come and be guests and, and talk about a movie for an episode with you. Um, people who maybe weren't even that big yet, but then like became like Julie Klausner. has you know, a Hulu show. But I remember when she was just somebody who was guesting on how did this get made podcast and i was like who the hell is this i don't know who she is but she's funny um and now she's got a show on hulu and she was always working in tv right so the connected podcasts that are good you're like sort of like all right cool thanks for making other people aware of podcasts but they're gonna be looking for you guys now they're not gonna mm. be looking for me you know i gotta still gotta figure out a way to make me somebody like you and that's not even why i started podcasting <laughs> you know what i mean like i started podcasting for the sort of Rolling Stone, fun, let's have a cool rock and roll magazine and a UHF station all living in this one entity um, that never really has to be completely defined. And uh, it could be like a comic book universe, could always be shifting in that way. Yeah. You know, they whenever DC runs out, oh, let's just reset the universe. There was a thing, it just happened, the universe is reset. 
you know, and that's kind of how we look at any time we've had to sort of change in a new iteration. Like, all right, well, new 52, here we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> still the same brand, still the same brand of humor. We're still in the movies, but all right, maybe it's a different crew of people now. Maybe it's a little bit more focused on drama. Maybe it's more focused on Netflix. Um, who knows? But you got to always be nimble. That's definitely something mm -hmm. that's never going to go away. And probably, you know, we treat our Facebook page very much like a, a living magazine now, um, doing things like uh, taking a, a cue from a filmmaker friend of mine, Brendan E. Brooks, did like uh, 365 days, three images, no explanation from a movie you love. And I was like, well, if we do that, we actually have to do it for the 365 days. We can't just start and let that thing drop off. So, you know, we started programming out posts like months and months in advance, probably like the same way everybody else has been doing it for a long time. But we figured, you know what? Facebook is such a weird place these days. Maybe if we treat our Facebook page like that, like a magazine, maybe it'll start to become less and less of like the political landscape mm -hmm. it's become and i mean we hollow nine it's is all entertainment based we don't do anything political on our facebook our twitter any of that stuff because you know if it comes up in course of discussion because of the content of a movie or something like that that's one thing but we're not trying to plant any flags we just want we just want there to be an internet for us to keep doing this stuff on so that's oh, yeah. where if there was a fight to be had it's for the first amendment and for our net neutrality and all that stuff so we'll fight there but as far as everything else it's kind of like let's make this more fun again yeah, exactly. That's uh, you're seeing such a an awakening of creativity that you the the critique that you always hear from people is that oh people aren't creative anymore that uh, people are lazy and people are boring and it's like I I don't know about that I I know so many people who are animating or writing a comic book or doing a podcast and it's like maybe it's not what you're into but it's certainly like a, a lively mind you know yeah well it's also so. like you've got these other audiences that have sort of come to the surface like i would have never thought something like twitch would be what it is today oh, yeah. you know um yeah. the idea that people like watching other people play video games you know like when i was growing up video games before they were all connected to the internet you would have maybe two controllers on the first couple consoles, guys. We only had two controllers. And if you were the third or fourth person in the room, you had to wait until one of the controllers was available. You know, and there wasn't this whole every everybody could join in and be a part of this thing. But the people sitting there watching weren't sitting there going, oh, it's still so cool to watch the game. We were going, I want my turn. But there are people tuning into a station just to watch someone else play through a video game, which I'm like, it, it it's amazing it's something i like it, it used to be a mark of you're the loser in the room and mm -hmm. you have to wait for the controller you got to watch the other people you don't get to play yourself and now people are tuning in to watch i don't have to buy that game now i watch somebody else play it and i'm like wow so it's it's kind of going to be interesting to find the footing in 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 a in a world where there's audiences for things we didn't really think there would be audiences for. So yeah. maybe you are doing something just in your normal day life that uh, you could have a huge audience for, and that becomes the thing you're known for. You just got to make sure it's something you want to be known for. Twitch channel? Okay, I could I could dig that. You yeah, know, yeah. Playing, playing a video game, you think I'm pretty badass at Mad Max. Check <laughs> out my world over there. All my little camps in Fallout 4 are looking pretty cool. Um so yes, video games are an area we're going to be focusing on a little bit more this year if I ever get my hands on a PlayStation 5. So uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I um, I like to watch the cutscenes. I like to watch where people have just compiled the cutscenes. 
Sure. Um, yeah. Like, uh, gosh, what is that that name? Uh, Detroit, uh, the, the one with the robots that have the little blue circle on their heads. Anyway, um, but uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Well, that no, not Cyberpunk. It's it predates. It's it's Detroit Come Alive or something like that. Uh, but it's oh it's, oh yeah, I, I I know which one you're talking about, but I don't yeah. know the title either. It was like in, in an era of games similar to that, though. Yeah, like yeah. Kind of, yeah. And I, I love watching the cutscenes for that, but I, I know that I wouldn't have the patience because that that's a game you really have to like commit like a month to. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, I, I'm just like you know at this point in my life like I I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so it's nice to just like watch the cutscenes or watch somebody else do this or like listen to them while like because I um I'm not as up to date on the shows like I was talking about Cobra Kai and stuff like that because sure. I paint and I edit. And I'm nice. doing all these things that require my eyes. Right. And so I can't watch a show. Um, so I wind up like listening to a lot of stuff and then I'll watch it later. But yeah, so if it's something that I can kind of get the idea of what's going on from the verbal cues, then yeah, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's something to be said for like, uh, especially now with how visual everything is, you know, everybody's got a an HD theater system mm -hmm. in the palm of their hand, you know, Um and with Bluetooth, you know, you could listen to your stuff from across the room. But if you are visually oriented or let's say you're driving, we're not in the era 100 mm. percent where the cars are driving themselves. You know, that's still an area for radio and audio formats to thrive. And that's why I think coming up with like an audio drama that people would tune into as if it was with the same, you know, zeal that they used to tune in on Sundays for HBO programming, mm -hmm. you know, like. There was a period of time where that was it, man. HBO owned Sunday night. You had The Sopranos, Carnival, Deadwood, Oz. Um, you know, they they had it down. And so, you know, I don't know how we're going to get there. And I don't know if podcasting will ever get to that level. But if there are as many people creating them as there are, and if even the machine is now creating them too, uh, I think there there's going to be a place for us at the table. And I think now is the time to make sure that we jump up and grab that seat before some other technology comes in and <laughs> knocks this whole game off the table and we got to start over again, um, which very well could happen too. I don't know what that's going to be either though. Cause I feel like anything that's tried really hasn't stuck. You know, it's just like, all right, we could periscope, we can, we can webcast from wherever, but it's still, you need the goods. You need to be able to sit there and have the conversation and you need to have passion about something to be able to do that. So I hope that's a, uh, not something people are hoping is something that can be taught. I've always felt like the passion has to come from within, right? So you just have to find your passion and cultivate it. We can't teach you how to be passionate. We can teach you how to cultivate your passion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very preachy all of a sudden. Sorry. I don't no, know I no, it's it's good. No, I feel you. Um, because there, there's a lot of people that I've, I've seen who do classes and stuff like that online about like, oh, I can teach you to have an award-winning YouTube channel. And I was like, I, I don't think that they necessarily are award-winning youtube channels i think it's just like youtube channels that get popular and stuff like right. that and, and it's either like it clicks with people or it doesn't it's it's not like there's a scheme or a, a algorithm that you can I, I mean there is an algorithm but it's it's not like oh if you do a b c and d then everybody's going to want to watch you it's it's just it's hit or miss yeah <laughs> so. i feel like if there was that formula then we wouldn't even be talking you know what i mean the, yeah. you know, the, the the field would have already been so saturated that it's like you become the odd person out for not having 
a multi-million viewed, you know, mm. YouTube channel with, you know, when I started hearing people, oh yeah, let's make sure they get their first thousand, you know, and they're talking about it in like their high school age. Like, mm. yeah, let's make sure all of our buddies get their first thousand subscribers each on YouTube. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, that, like, that's like, all right, that's the equivalent of me making sure I had the uh, He-Man comic uh sticker book in kindergarten to be in the in club but you know after a thousand is where all the stuff is supposed to start happening right mm -hmm. with the monetization stuff so like the award-winning part isn't necessarily like winning an academy award it's like suddenly something that you're just doing on the side with your friends as a group is maybe bringing you in some money when you're at the age where you have to start thinking about saving money to go to college or whatever mm -hmm. and uh for the rest of us who've been like grinding out there we're like oh i would love for that to happen for me too you know, mm -hmm. that is, there is a part of me that wants to make this a, a sustaining thing. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, um, and so, and I believe that that's out there too. It's just that we, you got to have the niche, right? That makes your show unique. And, and, you know, we all have that voice. We just got to, again, like with the passion, you just got to let it out, cultivate it. And, uh, and like you said, sometimes it's just casting out a huge net of trying a bunch of different types of shows and which one are they listening to more? Okay. They like it when we talk about this, they don't like it when we talk about that. That's what we'll start doing, <laughs> you know, but I wish there was a magic bullet, man. I just wish there was, it's just, no yeah. one knows it. Yeah. I, I'm always weary of the, 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 there's, how is it that there's so many coaches, but there aren't that many people who are reaching that level like they did, you know, yeah. and it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. No, <laughs> I'd rather find it for real. Oh <laughs> yeah, know, so for sure. And oh yeah, and then talking about that that internet. Um, one of the downsides of the internet now is that uh, you, you're seeing YouTube and like a lot of other sources come in and really cut monetization uh, based on parameters that aren't necessarily clear to people. <laughs> Or are content based, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, I've, I've I'm I'm watch a lot of movie reviewers who are like uh, a certain situation that's happening across the globe, div div uh, having to do with a virus that won't go named, and I'm like, they can't say certain words because mm -hmm. they're afraid they will get their monetization pulled, and I'm like, that's a scary sort of development in all yeah. of this, especially. You know, 2020 turned out to be a very strange time, you know, uh, seemed like it was so far in the future for so long and we get there and it looks a lot like the past. And oh, so absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, you know, that'll be an interesting, I don't know what the trend is going to be like there. I'm hoping, I always felt like the 90s was where everybody was like relaxing about everything and mm -hmm. expression was a little bit more freed up and didn't have to worry about censorship. Um, but it feels like maybe that was always just an illusion. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the pendulum swings. But like in the 90s, I did see people sort of embracing that sort of I, I call it like the Lenny Bruce mentality and people online yeah. misquote Lenny Bruce and George Carlin in the most horrendous way. So it's almost embarrassing to say it. But basically like saying you can't offend me by calling me a, a bitch or the C word or anything like that because I've just like adopted that onto myself. I will call myself that. And yeah. it doesn't make me feel bad. If if you want to call me a fat slut, then it's like, Hey, that's, you know, I I'm fine with that. You can't yeah. hurt my feelings with it anymore. Uh, but now there's people like, well, even if it doesn't hurt you, it might hurt somebody else. And it, you know, and it's just kind of like, I, I get that. Yeah. But then I was never allowed that when I was younger as right. I, I was never allowed to be 
in that kind of mindset. Somebody else's behalf, you know, yeah, like and you're adopting someone else's uh, cause a little bit sometimes. Is, yeah, is, yeah. It's so weird. it's 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 odd, but if you think about shows like Wonder Chosen or things like that oh. that were on in the nineties. <laughs> oh my God, Wonder so. Chosen! What about Strangers with Candy? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Shit. You, I mean, so. you know, I live with teenagers now. I uh, I live with my girlfriend in Virginia, and she has teenagers and. And it's always a shock to me, mm-hmm. the things that I say that they look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm like, damn, you guys would not be able to handle strangers. Okay. I'm just letting you know right now, something that was on Comedy Central, okay, everybody was allowed to watch it. I think even if it was rated TV 14, maybe, at the time, and all of a sudden TV had a rating system. Um but my God, you know, imagine just like pitching that today. How many shows that we watch now from the eighties and nineties that you're like, can you imagine you would lose your job just for going in and suggesting this? Oh, yeah. you know? And and meanwhile, we've got franchises that have spun off from that, you know, years and years and, and people are still making money off of it. But now, yeah, we're in a really odd time uh, for creative people, especially. Um, mm-hmm. And some people will be seen as brave for the things they do. And some people will be seen as shocking and overly controversial and, and uh, you just hope that history is kind to you, I think, when we're all said and done, as long as you're being good. Yeah. You know, that's the whole thing. As long as you're being a good person and trying I think, to stay on that. I think that's the thing that scares me is uh, that you never know what the historical standpoint is, because now people can go back 12 years and look at things and say like, oh, you know, you said this. Don't you think you owe everyone an apology? It's like, well, I was 22 and I was stupid. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I owe people an apology for being 22. But right, right. Uh, and it's just a little bit terrifying because you work so hard to cultivate your skills as a writer, as an editor, as an artist. And then it can all be like stripped away from you for something that you just kind of said stupidly about yourself and then people are like well i think that's a very horrible thing for you to say and i think that's very disrespectful and it's like well and i just videotaped it with my phone and i'm putting it on facebook tonight to ruin your life for you right right when i think of uh, how thankful i am that uh i went to college during the last i guess age of not everything being recorded and shared with the Mm -hmm. world on you know we had aol we thought we were pretty hot having instant messenger and being able to chat with our friends from across campus and plot parties and stuff but you know your your life wasn't being broadcasted and you know Mm -hmm. when someone's caught at their worst moment and that's what they become famous for yeah that's not very fair to represent them that way um that's not to say though that if you're strutting around and making every moment you of yourself out there in the world is your worst moment you you get caught on camera man there's cameras everywhere what are you gonna do Mm um yeah it's a very very orwellian it (laughs) it is and a lot of people feel like uh they're they're doing everybody a service by reporting um and and it's just like oh not really But I mean, even like, you know, social media was the first place you see that being uh, called mm-hmm. out though, right? Well, not first place, but in a, it's you can almost do a controlled study of like people who are like, okay, I didn't post anything that actually violates any guidelines, but somebody must have reported it because I just got slapped with a six day ban from mm-hmm. being able to post on Facebook. And you're like, what in the hell is going on where everybody wants the right to be able to speak? But they have the right to, if they get offended, stop your right to speak, you know, and that 
is not someplace we thought we would be in 2020, I don't think. And, no, and I think it's a place no. we'd like to get away from in 2021. Let's move back towards 1995. <laughs> <laughs> Height of X-Files, beginning of Millennium. Mm -hmm. You know, Twin Peaks was still around me. No, Twin Peaks was already over. But, yeah, I think it was over at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you had, uh, gosh, what, what was coming out? I think Interview with the Vampire came out that yeah. year. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So there, there was some good. That's a Oingo Boingo farewell tour. Yeah, was that year. So one of one of Ozzy's many retirement tours as yes. well. Because I think did another retirement tour two years later, which I went to. Yeah. So well, Ozfest, I guess Ozfest was supposed to be '95, but then right. it it didn't really happen until '96. Yeah. But I remember the commercials were like Ozfest '95, and I was like, yay! <laughs> we little yeah. tiny me. Never, but. never mind. <laughs> Next year. <laughs> But I, I couldn't have gone anyway. It was too wee. But it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would have been trampled. But yeah. yeah so. It happens. It was a rough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rough life. Going to concerts was like a badge of honor. Like, I survived Fear Factory, man. Mm -hmm. uh, I survived Typo Negative three times. Mm -hmm. Peter Steele, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Crazy. So, if somebody wants to experience Hollow Nine, if they want to get in with these podcasts and hear this and ex just have the have the joy of all these this different network that this UF UHF that you have going on. <laughs> so, uh, how do they do this? The the easiest way to do it is you go to hollow9.com, mm -hmm. which is the word hollow, the number 9 I N E, and that's all one big word .com. That'll take you right over to our main feed, our mega feed, which is uh, powered by Podomatic. And uh, then from there, you can link over to our YouTube page or to our Anchor FM page where you'll see our – that was our newest feed. And it was really supposed to be for like reruns of old stuff mm -hmm. and then like announcements and promos for new stuff. But of course, we've got a new series over there called Sketches of Madness, which is I think – uh, kind of like an experimental response to the times we live in in some way. It was it was a, a very long developed stream of consciousness type show. Uh, I don't want to say too much. Check it out. Enjoy that for yourself. But beware, it's very like MTV oddities kind of uh, kind of environment you're going into over there. Um, but you'll also get you know we we would simulcast Dojo Nine over there. Um, but yeah, Podomatic and uh, Anchor FM. You can also find us on Spotify, Facebook. You can check out all of our living magazine posts of uh, the movies we love and our weeks of posters. Every week we do Monday through Friday, rare and unique posters for movies that we love. Um, so check that out. Some really cool ones. The Fight Club ones were awesome. That was, uh, I think, three weeks ago now. Um, yeah, so all the usual channels. We're on Instagram too. Hollow Nine, though, since our, our spelling is kind of uh, our signifier, and that'll that'll that should bring us up in anything that you search on. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. And... Thank you for having me on. I love trying time traveling to 1995. It's one of my favorite decades. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a good one. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy to be experiencing it again. So awesome. I missed awesome. out on a lot of things, a lot of things that I didn't know I was going to miss until they were gone. And yeah, yeah. Well, so you get to go do them all again. I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank awesome. you so much. Hey, take care. Thanks. You too. Hey, special thanks to Dave, the clone of hollow nine for coming on the show. You can head on over to his website, www.hollow number nine, I N E.com. 
Thank you so much to Savage C. Walnar, a legendary announcer who does it for us every time, starting us off right. And special thanks to Ethan Mixell, composer of the You Mind theme, Demilitarized Zone. You love it, I love it, it's a classic. And if you want to be a Patreon, you should. Patreon.com slash LucidNap, I won't stop you from giving me money. Or you can go and do a special one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash LucidNap. That's me. Hi. How are you doing? And, uh, yeah, everything helps. You can also go to lostbreadcomic.com where we sell art and crap and, but well, less less crap and more art and stickers and prints and things like that. If, you, if you're into it, you know, go ahead and buy some. Not many people do. Maybe you could be a rebel and do that. So that would be cool. People would think you were kind of hip. You can follow us, too, if you don't want to do the whole money thing. All those tender, juicy little links are going to be in the description box below. Follow us. You can keep up with all the weird, crazy stuff that we're doing on the podcast, on the audio drama, or just like regular life. Posting selfies and all that other good stuff that people on the internet do to try and, you know, get attention for themselves so that you'll pay attention to their projects. Because the projects are what they want you to pay attention to, not them so much. But ah, maybe some people. Anyway... You know what you should check out? One of my projects, and it's called Creeping Wave Radio. It's an audio drama. Yes, and it has some of the finest talent in all of the land. It's a scripted audio drama that tells the story of what happens here on the You Mind when the mics go off. It's a good time for all, and it features some uh, local music, up-and-coming artists that uh, you are not going to want to miss. So please do give that a listen. Link in the description box. Thank you for watching, for listening. Whatever you're doing, if you didn't watch, you can go ahead and do that now. I'm going to try and put a link in the description for you to do that uh, because it's a good thing to do. I work really hard on doing these little silly animations at the beginning and then we have the video and sometimes I put little Easter eggs in the video that you can look at and there's fun stuff. I don't know. I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, do you like having fun? I mean, it. you probably haven't had it in a while, so you may as well just indulge, right? So go ahead and, you know what, special thank you to The Gramerica Show, Nikki Benfield, and the lovable Neil for being my Patreons. And I love them so very, very much. If you want me to love you as much as I love them, then you can go be a Patreon too. But you know what, I love you anyway. I do. No, really, I do. I love you a bunch. Thank you so much for listening, because we can't do this without you guys. Thank you. Bye. The You Mind is brought to you by LucidNap Productions in cooperation with a hairy old man. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hello. Is anybody out there? Anybody. This is Jim Cobb. If you are hearing this, the worst has happened. I've recorded a podcast at the end of the world that will broadcast it on channel PEN every Friday. It's all about the apocalypse. Books, movies, TV, how much food and water will you need your bunker, all that kind of stuff. Excuse me, sir. You're going to have to keep the noise down. You're in a library and you're scaring the kids. The world hasn't ended yet. Sorry, ma'am. Shh, you're in the library at the end of the world with host Jim Cobb. Fridays, exclusively on Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. Thank you.